Well, today we're concluding our message series, Prayer and Listening. In this series, we found several requirements in God's Word for our prayers being answered. First of all, when we pray, we need to pray according to God's will. If we just pray for things that we want and it's not what God wants, He's not going to answer those prayers. I mean, it's, it seems pretty simple, but sometimes we forget. Secondly, we must pray in faith. We must believe that God hears us when we pray and that He's going to answer us. We need to pray in faith, not doubting. Thirdly, we learned last Sunday that we must pray persistently. It seems that God doesn't always answer our prayers the minute we pray. In fact, he usually doesn't. It usually takes time, and we need to pray persistently, Jesus taught, in order for our prayers to be answered. If we stop praying before the answer comes, then we won't receive the answer. Now, today we're going to talk about a third requirement for answered prayer in our messages entitled Prayer Hindrances. We're going to talk about how unconfessed sin in our lives can stop our prayers from being answered. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline and the, and the verses written out there. And you can fill in the blanks in the outline as we go along. On the back is a study guide. We follow that in the life groups as a discussion guide. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so, what does it mean to cherish sin in our heart? It means to, to hang on to it. It means to not want to let go of it. It means to not confess it or to repent of it. And, and the psalmist here writes in this verse that if we, if we cherish sin in our hearts, then it breaks our connection with the Lord. The Lord won't answer the prayers of those who cherish sin in their hearts, who kind of have hidden closets in their, in their hearts that they want to hide from God. I'd like us to watch a short video about how sin short circuits our prayer life. And so sin, as it were, throws a switch that, that controls our prayer relationship with God. It blocks our communication with God. Sin blocks our prayers going up to God or God hearing our prayers, and sin blocks us from listening to God, from hearing what he has to say to us. And so in this message today, we're going to learn more about the impact of sin on our prayer life as well as how we can restore our prayer relationship with God. Today we're going to look at a, a story from the life of David, King David. He was really the most famous king of Israel in the Old Testament. And the story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 through 12. We certainly don't have time to read all of those chapters in their entirety. I'd encourage you to read it this week to get the whole picture. But the story begins with David taking it easy in the palace while his army is out fighting a battle. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now, who is the king, David or Joab? David was the king. And this was the time when kings were supposed to go out to war. And yet, David decided he didn't want to go out to war. He wanted to, that was hard work and a bit dangerous. So he wanted to take it easy in Jerusalem. And he sent somebody else out to do his work. He was not doing what God wanted. He was avoiding his responsibility. What happened next in verse 2? 
One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Well, David had nothing better to do. He just lazed around and walked around at his roof looking to see what he could see. And lo and behold, he sees a woman bathing on a rooftop. Apparently, that was not uncommon at that time. But there, were, there was a very tall rooftop, and that's what David was on, the palace. So most people couldn't see other people bathing on the rooftops, but David was up high, and he could look all around, and he took one look, and, and then he took another. Uh, and that was the beginning of his downfall. And he began to lust after this woman, even though, uh, as we'll see, he found out she was married to another man. And so he brought her into the palace, committed adultery with her, and she informed him uh, soon after that she was pregnant. And so David had fallen into sin. And so we're going to see what we can learn, some of the principles that we can learn from David's life. We mustn't let sin destroy us. Proverbs 13, verse 6 says, Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Other translations say that wickedness ruins or destroys the sinner. And so when a person is walking with God, it says here that righteousness guards a person. They're protected. God protects them as they walk in righteousness. But when a person is walking in sin, that protection is removed, and evil or wickedness then begins to destroy their life. Now, we see in David's life how, how basically laziness led to, to lust, which led to adultery. And now we're going to see further evidence that sin is progressive. Jumping down to verse 14, it says, In the morning David wrote a letter to Jacob and sent it to Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And so Uriah was, was Bathsheba's husband. It was the woman that King David had seen bathing on the rooftop. David had tried various ways to deceive people and make it appear that Uriah had fathered this child, but none of his deceptions had worked. And so finally, he made a plan to have Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed in battle. He actually was arranging a murder, as it were. And so each of David's sins got progressively worse. I mean, being a little lazy, taking a few extra looks, sending a messenger, bringing this woman to his palace, committing adultery, and now murder. In all of this, David hadn't admitted his sin. He hadn't confessed his sin. He writes about it, his experience in Psalm verse 32. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning. All day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so David had eliminated Uriah. He'd brought Bathsheba into the palace as one of his wives. But the Bible says that what David had done displeased the Lord. And so David, as he writes in Psalm 32, he, he was miserable. This sin was eating him up. He knew he'd done wrong. But he had, was keeping silent. He hadn't talked to God about it. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we read that God sent Nathan the prophet to confront David. 
He confronted David. He told the story. We don't have time to get into it and came to the, to the um, conclusion that David was the man who had sinned. David had fallen from God and God's judgment was going to be on David and his family for the rest of his life. The first judgment that God announced through Nathan the prophet was that Bathsheba's child was going to die, the child that he had conceived out of adultery. And so sin causes unanswered prayer. Verse 15, after Nathan, this is Nathan the prophet, had gone home after speaking to David, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David. Notice he doesn't say Bathsheba. He doesn't say David's wife. It was Uriah's wife. And he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. And so David fasted. He prayed that God would have mercy and save this child. And yet the child died. God did not listen to David's prayers. His prayers went unanswered. And so David's sin had caused this disconnect in his relationship with God, had caused uh, him to be in a position now where his prayers went unheard. God says in Proverbs 28, 9, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. And so in other words, if a, if a person does not obey God's instructions in his word, if a person disobeys them and sins, even his prayers are so detestable to God that God doesn't listen. And obviously, if God doesn't listen to your prayers, you're not going to see any answers to your prayers. So don't let sin destroy your life and your prayers. Now, now most people classify sins into unconsciously into big sins and little sins. And other people's sins are big and our sins are quite small. That's what we usually think about. And, and most people think that God really doesn't care much about little sins. But as we've seen, sin is progressive. One sin leads to another. There's a slippery slope of sin. And David's little sins that didn't seem too big turned into big sins. And this happens all the time. Any unconfessed sin can lead to bigger sins, which will lead to unanswered prayer. And I believe that sin is a, is a huge cause of unanswered prayer for, for all of us. And mo many people are not aware of it. In fact, I read a, a recent poll that says many people think that little sins, which probably means their sins, uh, will not send people to hell. God understands. You know, and unfortunately, that's completely false. Any sin, unconfessed and unforgiven, will send a person to hell, according to the Bible. Uh, any unconfessed sin cherished in your heart is going to break your connection with God in prayer and cause the answers not to come. And so this morning, let's just think of our own lives. Is there any sin that you cherish in your heart? It's, a, it's something that you know is wrong, but you don't want to let go of. You don't want to stop doing. Might be a habit. Anything that you don't want to let go of. And if so, that sin is causing many of your prayers to go unanswered. And what should we do about it? Well, we should repent. Repent to be restored. 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so when we confess our sins to God, we admit that we've sinned, we talk to God and tell him what we've done. The Bible promises here that he will forgive us. And not only does he forgive us, but forgives us, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He, he cleans us up from the sin that contaminates our life. Now, repentance consists of two steps. The first step is simply admitting your sin to God. David writes about this in Psalm 32, about his affair with Bathsheba. He says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so this verse, of course, is right after the ones we read about his bones wasting away when he kept silent. Now he finally decided, after Nathan the prophet brought conviction to his heart, he finally decided to admit and confess his multiple sins to God. And so he writes here, the opposite of admitting your sin is covering up your sin. That's what David had been doing. He'd been covering it up. He'd been covering it up to God, not admitting it to God, and he'd been covering it up basically to himself. When you cover up sin to yourself, and basically it's not a big deal. It's just a, it's just a little thing. It, it's denial. And denial leads to bondage, and it leads to unanswered prayer. God wants us to deal with sin, small or big. And admitting your sin is the first step of repentance. The second is to turn away from your sin. David writes in Psalm 51, which is David's response to being convicted of his sin by the prophet Nathan. Now, a number of the Psalms we, we know from their inscriptions, they're written in response to certain circumstances in David's life. And Psalm 51 is written in response to Nathan the prophet speaking to him. And he writes in verse 10, David writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And so this, ver this verse is a request from David to God to change his heart, to cleanse his heart so that he would not continue in sin. David was asking God to help him to turn away from this sin and to pursue his relationship with God. He's saying here that sin was removing him from God's presence. Sin was quenching the Holy Spirit. And he didn't want that to happen anymore. And so restoration came into David's life as he repented by admitting his sin to God and by turning away from it in the future. Now what happened after David repented of his sin. His, his relationship with God was restored. God once again heard his prayers and began to answer them, but there were still consequences to his sin. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, if you sin, if you sow sin in your life, you're going to reap the consequences of that sin, even if you're forgiven. David's sins were adultery and murder, and God's judgment on his family was continued adultery and murder in David's extended family 
you can read about it all through the, through the history of Israel for the rest of his life. And so oftentimes you'll hear from people, well, I'm just, I'm going to sin and then I'll ask God to forgive me and everything's going to be okay. It, it doesn't work that way. When we receive forgiveness from God, when we truly repent, and if you say, I'm going to sin and, and ask for forgiveness and then I'm going to go out and sin again and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to keep on doing what I want to do and just ask God to forgive. That's not really repentance. Uh, you might be admitting something to God, but you're not turning away from it. But the thought that a person can sin and simply receive forgiveness with no consequences is, is completely wrong. Every sin has a negative consequence in your life and usually in other people's lives as well, even if it's forgiven. Now, a forgiven sin, your relationship with God is going to be restored. As your sins are forgiven, you have eternal life, but negative consequences still will follow it followed in David's life, and it will follow in ours. And so we need to obey God to release his blessing into our life. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so disobedience releases the curses of God's judgment into our life. And that's what happened in David's life. Uh, many things happened to him negatively after his sin. Now, we're going to see David in heaven one day. I'm convinced of that. His eternal life that he received by faith, looking forward to the Messiah, that was not in question. But in his life on this earth, there were negative consequences. Obedience to God's word, on the other hand, releases God's blessing into our lives. Now, in this verse, we see basically the steps we've been talking about confessing our sins, praying, and God bringing healing into our life and even into the lives of others. And when we confess our sins, when we walk in righteousness, obeying God's word, what does this verse promise? It says that our prayers are going to be powerful and effective. And when our prayers are powerful and effective, that means they're answered. We're praying prayers according to God's will. We're praying in faith. We're persevering. And God answers those prayers as we walk in obedience to him. Not only does obedience release God's blessing, we must obey to live in God's presence. Jesus said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And so Jesus here tells us that if we love him, we are going to obey his commands. That's what demonstrates our love for him. Those who don't obey his commands are demonstrating they don't really love Jesus. You can't say, I love Jesus, and not do the things he tells us to do. And Jesus promises that those who obey him, he's going to love them. He's gonna, his presence is going to be with them. He's going to reveal or show himself to them. In other words, Jesus draws near with his presence to those who love and obey him. And so obedience releases God's presence into your life. Finally, we obey to release God's answer to our prayers. First John 3 says, verse 21 says, My dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask 
Why? Because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. Let's look at this verse a, a little more closely. It says, if our hearts do not condemn us, when do our hearts condemn us? Well, our hearts condemn us when we sin and feel guilty, right? On When you sin and are, feel guilty, convicted, you don't feel that close to God. You don't have confidence in praying to Him. We don't have faith. It's hard to have faith when you are in sin. But this verse is written in the positive. In order to receive from God, it says anything we ask, we have to have confidence in our relationship with God. And how can we have confidence in our relationship with God? It's by keeping His commands and doing what pleases Him. Living righteously, walking in His ways. Not saying that we're perfect, but what do we do if we sin? What do we do when we sin? Uh, we confess it right away. And we turn away from it. And we keep on with our walk with God. Now many people, another way of being in denial about sin is, is by thinking that we have three choices in every situation. And this is a very common thing that people think. Choice uh, choice number one is I'm going to obey God. Choice number two is I'm going to disobey God. But choice number three is really the choice most people think they take. It's just like, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not really exactly what God wants me to do, but it's not really very bad. I'm just going to do what I want to do. It's a neutral choice. But according to Scripture, we only have two choices to make in any given situation. Either obey God or disobey God. And if we just do our own thing and it's not obeying God, guess what? It's disobeying God. And so many of the things that choices that people make in their lives are actually choosing to disobey God. The Bible calls that sin, even though people don't think of it as that. And so obeying God is not just a matter of not doing certain things. Obeying God is also a matter of doing the right things. There's many things God tells us not to do, and there's many things God tells us to do. And walking with God is both not doing the things we're not supposed to do and doing the things we're supposed to. And as we walk with God, as we learn to grow in our obedience to Him, then our confidence in faith grows and we'll receive more and more answers to our prayers. And so obedience releases God's blessing. And so today we've seen that sin or sins are a major are major hindrances in our relationship with God and they lead to unanswered prayer. And so this morning if there's any un, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life God wants you to repent so that your relationship with him can be restored and he'll once again listen to your prayers. And as you walk in obedience to God's word then he brings blessing into your life. And one of those blessings is answered prayer. And that's what he wants for all of us. Now, to become a believer is, a, a, is a, basically what we continue to do as we're believers. To become a believer, we need to what? confess our sins for the first time to God. We need to admit that we've sinned and repent, turn away from that. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we commit our lives to following Him as our Lord and Savior, which is obeying God, obeying God's Word. 
And so I'd like to ask us to bow our heads now. We're going to pray. And if you would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. Uh, I admit that I thought my sins really didn't matter much, but today I realize they do. And I confess those sins to you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe he lives today. He's risen from the dead. I put my faith in him, and I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior. I commit to not sinning anymore and obeying Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming into my life and changing me. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we want to see more answers to our prayers, God. Thank you, God, for showing us this morning the hindrance that sin is to our prayer life. And so this morning, God, we ask that even in this time, you show us any areas of sin in our lives that we are cherishing in our hearts, any areas of sin that we haven't admitted to you and turned away from. And so now, God, we, we confess those sins in the quietness of this moment. We admit to you that we've been wrong. And we choose to turn away from those sins. We ask for you to cleanse our hearts from all unrighteousness and help us to walk in obedience to your word. And God, we pray for those who have struggled repeatedly with, with certain sins, God. And even though they're confessed, they repeatedly fall into them. They become habitual sins, God. I pray, God, that anybody struggling with that would sign up for our Stepping Into Freedom course, God, that they might receive help from your word. Whether they think it's a a little sin or a big sin. God, we pray that you would set many people free. We ask that as a church we continue to grow in the power and effectiveness of our prayers, God, because we want to reach many more people for you who do not yet know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.